You unlock this door with the key of imagination. Beyond it is another dimension. A dimension of sound. A dimension of sight. A dimension of mind. You're moving into a land of both shadow and substance, of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the Twilight Zone. What is happening? It's You're listening to the AME Radio Show. Welcome to the Amy Radio Show. I'm your host, Jason Dowd, and we have a great show for you guys today. So sit back, relax, and enjoy with us as we talk about everything art, music, and entertainment related. Now, we are back. As you guys know, probably last week you tuned in. We heard the same show again, and that's because of the fact that we had zero power here in the Tampa Bay area. And I just got my power restored late last week. So we are back. We are ready to get back on track, get these great interviews out, and get back rolling to what we love to do the most. So first of all, my prayers go out to anybody that lost anything in this particular hurricane. I know it was an absolute tragedy, and it's amazing that everybody has come together in such a time of need. And I really hate that it has to take something this traumatic to be able to bring people together. But, you know, I think what we need to do now is look beyond the hurricane and continue this gratitude towards other people, wanting to help out other people, see who needs somebody and help them. Let's pass the goodness on. If we are able to do something that somebody can't help them do it, let's get through this life together. We cannot be divided as we have been so for so long. It's amazing because all of our political differences have been pushed aside. All of our lifestyles choices have been pushed aside. All of our religious beliefs have been pushed aside, and we've come together as a community to grow and help. What an amazing thing to be able to experience myself. But like I said, again, I really wish it didn't take such a tragedy to do so. So anyways, we have some great guests coming up. we got a lot to talk about. We don't have a lot of time. We did pre-record these interviews because of the fact that we didn't know if we were going to be up or not. So we have today coming on Barbie Castro. She is a producer and director of two movies called A Boyfriend Killer and A Girlfriend Killer, both seen on Lifetime uh, Movie Channel uh, and the Lifetime Channel. So we are very excited to be able to talk to her. Now, she happens to have a home in South Florida. She lives in South Florida. Uh, we do know that she's okay, and we do know that her home did not sustain any damage, so we're very thankful for that. And uh, Barbie, your, you and your family are on our best wishes as you get through this time. And uh, we can't wait to be able to talk to her about her visions, her passion for what she loves to do, and how she wants to help other people make it in this industry. She's an amazing woman. I cannot wait to be able to speak to her, and I know you guys are going to love her as well. Then we have a very special guest coming on. I'm very excited about this. We have Lindsay Alley coming on. She is part of the New Mickey Mouse Club, one of my favorite shows. I wanted to be a Mouseketeer when I grew up, and I watched her all the time. I don't think I've ever missed an episode of the Mickey Mouse Club, and I'm really excited to be able to talk to her, get her vision of what the Mickey Mouse Club was all about. And see what she's got going up now, because she's an amazing talent. She is an actress, a singer, and um, I think you guys are going to really like this, uh, like her uh, her story as well. So, uh, before we get into anything, please go check out our website. It's www.theamemagazine.com. You'll be able to check it out 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year, with absolutely no subscription fees. Get up there and be inspired by the people that we have coming up. If you miss somebody, go check them out. Everything's archived. If you want to see who we have coming up, go do that as well. You want to see our, our adventures on our television show? Go check that out. Go check out everybody that we have on our magazine. This is what's so amazing about this particular um, venture that we're on. We can inspire you from afar. So, also, if you want to check us out on social media, we are on social media as well. So like us, share us, Join us, whatever, whatever, the, whatever the, the terminology for that website is, please do so and share what we have coming up. All you have to do is go to facebook.com forward slash the AME experience. And you can also find us on Twitter, which is at Dowd Studios. Now, we are a platform for artists all over the world. We are your voice to get your work out in front of the masses. So if you are an artist and you want to be on the show to talk about what you love to do the most, Hit us up on our social media networks or hit us up on our website, and we will love to be able to talk to you and possibly get you on here as soon as possible. Also, we have a brand new app out. It's 
the uh, is right now is for Android. You can go find that on our website. You can also find the new iOS one for Apple coming out really, really soon. It's been submitted to Apple, and it's being approved. So hopefully in the next couple of days, we will have that for you as well. And while you're on our website, check out any of the affiliates that we have because they help us bring this show to you. They help with the cost and everything that we have up there. I believe will be something that you can use in your life and it will be beneficial to you. Don't put up anything that we don't that we don't completely believe in ourselves. So go check those out. Support the AME magazine and the AME radio and television show just by clicking on those sponsors. All right, guys, we are going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we have Barbie Castro on the line, so don't go anywhere. Do you love horror? The strange and unusual fantasy creatures or urban legends? Do you want to step inside a dream or nightmare? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you should check out internationally exhibiting artist Jason Dowd and his award-winning photographic collections by visiting www.imaginationartstudios.com. Get inside his mind and experience his inner weird. (laughs) Hi, this is Dina Martin, and you're listening to my new album, Swing Street. You can get it at dinamartin.com, Amazon, of course, any place where you can get a digital download, Go on to iTunes, but I know you're going to love it. And thank you for listening to me on the radio. Hi, this is Jamie Linner. You remember me from Melrose Place? I listen to AME Radio Show. Welcome back, everybody. We have on the line with us a special guest. Her name is Barbie Castro. She is a producer. She's an entrepreneur, and she has played a part in having and helping some of our other guests that we've had on achieve their dreams. You've, you remember uh, Taylor Castro, her daughter, Miguel Fassa, and Mar- Michelle Martinez. She's been a part of all of that, and we're really excited to be able to talk to her now because we've talked to a lot of her family, and she's been doing so much in this community and in this, in this entertainment industry that we're going to pick her brain on how she got so passionate about it. So, Barbie, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. So, you have... You, you've really kind of created like a little empire for yourself. How did you get started in this? What made you, um, what attracted you to the entertainment industry? I mean, it started at a very young age. I went to a private school that basically had a lot of arts. And, um, and I, I very early on did very well. So, you know, like the captain of the baton twirling team or all the way at the front of the line whenever, I, you know, like the captain of whatever. So, I mean, that was just an elementary school. And all through high school and college, um, you know, I did musical theater, singing, dancing. I was a part of a singing group for many years as a child, a teenager. We opened shows for groups like Menudo and Miami Sound Machine, which is actually Gloria Stefan now, Um, Nice and Wild, you know, Y100's 50th 50th anniversary and Keep Us Game back in the day. So I did a lot of singing and dancing as a teenager. But, um, you know, eventually I just realized that I had to, or I wanted to, I wanted to get married, have kids, so I kind of settled down. Um, And then when my kids got a little older, I was like, you know what, I want to give this a shot one more time in this lifetime, see if I can make it happen in this lifetime. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you kind of put your dreams aside and you're like, oh, maybe another lifetime, maybe it'll happen another time. Right. And then something just hit me. And um, I decided to give it another try in this lifetime. And I started the process all over again, joined acting classes, singing classes, did my headshots, got an agent, did the whole, you know, auditioning for movies and commercials and all kinds of stuff. And then eventually realized that I had to take my career into my own hands. Mm -hmm. And I started producing 
Wow. And then with that, my kids started getting excited about it as well. Taylor, which you interviewed not too long ago, she's yeah. like, Mom, I want to I wanna make an album. And then I was like, well, if I make an album for you, i got to make one for your cousins because they're great singers as well. <laughs> so, that's, <laughs> so that's how that all started. And before you know it, I'm putting their songs in my movies, which are great songs as well. So, I mean, that's it and the gist of it. That's really cool, though. I mean, I've always been fascinated with directing, and I've loved the ability to create a movie. I have so many ideas in my head, and you actually have been able to take those ideas and put them out and actually make it happen. You know, I'm still trying to learn this thing, and it's such a fascinating field, so I'm just so inspired by what you've been able to do. How do you, how do you, how do you uh, come up with these ideas? And then I know you also worked on some stuff for Lifetime. How did you get involved at Lifetime? Oh, my goodness. So, throughout those years where I wasn't pursuing an acting career, I was, I was managing my own business, and I was a real estate broker, and I was building spec homes and putting teams together in general to finalize the product, a house, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I still have my broker license, um, and, I still, and I still am very active in real estate and, and spec home building. So... It, making a movie is very much like that. You you know your your architect is your screenwriter. Your your GC is your producer, and then you have your director who could be the foreman of the job site, but he still has to kind of do what the owner of the house wants, who is the executive producer, who's paying the bills and all that stuff. So I kind of paralleled both businesses, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's how that happened. And it and it was so I'm kind of glad in a way that I stepped away from acting and performing at a young age because I don't know if I've, if I would have ever seen it like a business that I can control for myself had I not, um, been in the business field. I would have always felt like I was an actress that was going to get booked by someone else versus, Hey, I'm an actress. I'm in South Florida. There's really very little work here. Very few casting directors. And if they don't, you know, see talent in me, chances are they're not going to think of me. So I think I'm going to need to take my career into my own hands and start producing my own work. And so I started with a short film, and then I decided to do my first production. Now, the first movie I didn't write, I started looking for scripts that were already made. Mm -hmm. So the first movie was written by Bernard Salzman, who was also the cinematographer and also the director. (laughs) It was my first movie, so, I mean, I had a smaller budget, and... You know, that budget went out the window as soon as I started saying, hey, you know, I want, like, Casper Van Dien or, you know, Eric Roberts. And I'm, what about Armando Sante? Before you know it, that budget was blown out, out the window. And that movie's still playing today. It was just on TV the other day. Wow, that's very cool. Yeah, but then after that, it was like, okay, I have this idea for a movie. And I went on IMDb Pro. I mean, these are things I'm saying for other actors that might be listening right now where they could get ideas of who they can contact um, so I went on IMDb Pro, became a member there, and all of the contact information for any movie that you like is on there. So I went on movies that were made on, I wanted to make a lifetime movie, so I went on there and I was like, well, who wrote this movie, you know, and, and where's their contact information? So I started contacting people, hey, would you write a movie for me? This is my idea, and you know, and that's, and that's how, you know, I've been doing it ever since, and then little by little, I met the people at Lifetime, and I'm selling directly to Lifetime. So it's wonderful. You know, it's, it's a awesome. stepping process, for sure. It doesn't happen overnight. And, you know, a lot of people think that when you're, getting, when you're in the art field that things just kind of happen, you know, to you. It's like you could just wake up and sometimes these things just happen. But in the art fields, no matter really what art field it is, you really have to be proactive. And I don't think people understand how, that, how important that is. You know, you can't just wait for an opportunity to come falling into your lap. You have to go out there and find it. You know, I, as a photographer myself, I've had to go out and find lots of different, you know, ways of getting my work out there and, and involve my artwork and make those opportunities. So everywhere I go, my eyes are always open to seeing, who could that inspire me onto something? Could this do it? Um, give, your, give your idea about something like that. How important is it for you to be proactive with your own career and also keep your eyes open to find inspiration where you can. 
um, 1,000% you hit the road, you know, every once in a while, you're like, oh my gosh, what am I doing, and why am I, you know, I think I'm good, I achieved a certain level that I want, and I'm good with it, but then yes, the next day you wake up, and you just wake up with new inspiration to keep moving forward, you didn't come this far to just stop now, um, you know, um, you know, and with the kids and their singing career and all that stuff, I'm in that situation right now, it's not easy, you mm -hmm. know, there's a lot of talented people out there, and and um, and like you said, you got to find inspiration somewhere. So I'll play their songs, and and that helps me to to move forward and and keep looking for opportunities for them. But yeah, you're right. I remember when, as an actress, when I got into acting, and I just wanted everything to happen overnight. I just wanted it to happen now, now, now. At this time, I wasn't even helping anybody else with their career. I was just working on myself. Um, and I remember going on like. I don't know, just name a famous person, any famous person that you want, and going on their IMDb page and just, how long have they been doing this? Mm -hmm. And I would go on there and I'd be like, you know what, I've only been doing this for two years. They've been at it for 20 years. My God, Brad Pitt started acting in, in whatever year it was, and it was like 15 years ago, and I'm thinking, okay, so there's hope for me. <laughs> you know, it doesn't happen overnight. His first credit was, you know, 15 years ago, or Angelina Jolie, or, or Jennifer Aniston, or any of these famous people that you think just, you know, became famous from one minute to the next. They didn't. They, they worked at it for a long time. So that inspired me to keep going as well, realizing that it doesn't happen overnight and that you have to keep chipping at it every single day. Every day you keep chipping at it if that's what you really want. And I tell people sometimes that if you decide it's not for you anymore, that's okay too, mm -hmm. you know. Um, I, I, you know, don't, don't see yourself as a quitter. If just one day you decide, you know what, I gave it a shot, I don't like it, I don't want to do it anymore, that's okay too. A lot of people really feel like, oh, I don't want to give up on this dream because people tell me I shouldn't give up on my dream. Well, it depends. Is it still your dream or not? Right. You know? Sometimes it's not your dream anymore. It doesn't mean you're going to kill yourself trying to, you know, achieve something that you don't want to do anymore. There's nothing wrong with that either, you know? Sure. Absolutely. Now, as a mom... And as somebody that's worked into the uh, music industry in itself, obviously, you know, helping, helping your family, you know, achieve their dreams. As children, they may not understand the industry and how it works in itself. So they can be easily distracted. They could be easily discouraged. But you, as an adult, how did you help them work through that, knowing that it's a business, knowing that you can't take things necessarily personally, but you've got to look out for certain things, how did you prepare them to be the, the entertainers they are today? I mean, a lot of that stems from themselves. They're motivating me to want to help them mm -hmm. because of their passion. Um, and, and as they told you, they each told you they've been performing their whole lives. So by watching them, they, they, they really did motivate me to want to help them. Um, in terms of, of them, I also shelter them because, again, it's not a race. And if I have the control of putting them um, in a movie rather than them going out and, you know, going on 20 auditions where they're memorizing dialogue and going on a bunch of callbacks, and don't get me wrong, it's not that I don't want them to do that, but I think it's very important to also put time and effort into important things. And unfortunately, as actors, sometimes we get steered away to so many different avenues because you don't want to say no um, that it does waste a lot of your time, mm -hmm. you know, and, and sometimes they send you on castings that you're really not fit for. So I do shelter them and make sure that they don't spend a lot of time doing things that, um, you know, that they might not be fit for. Now, if they want to go on a casting or whatever it is, great. I encourage it. But I don't give them a hard time if they feel like it's not for them. Or, you know, if it's something that they don't want to pursue. So that's the difference between me and other agents, in, in, per se. Although in California, because I, I cast my movies as well, it's really cool that the agents, if, you're, if they're representing you and you don't want to go on a casting, they don't, they don't feel bad. They, they're okay with, with the talent saying, no, it's okay, I don't feel that part's right for me. They don't, you know, but here in South Florida, it's a little trickier, you know, because there's only a lot of commercials and Spanish commercials and things like that, and you feel really bad telling your agent, you know, that I don't want to go to this particular casting. Mm -hmm. And eventually the agents don't call you anymore, which is sad, but I'm only talking about this area logistically. Right. Um, right. In terms of, so that's how I shelter them. So to answer your question, they inspired me to want to help them, and they keep doing that on a daily basis. 
They meet me halfway, and it makes me want to keep pushing forward for them. And I also make sure that they stay grounded. My daughter has to finish high school. I mean, you know, there's no moving to California or anything like that until she finishes high school, and she's an honor student. So why would I change that now? Um, right. And I do. I shelter them with their time. I make sure their time is spent efficiently doing things that are going to propel them rather than take valuable time away from other things that they need to do. Now, as a, um, like you said, you're in South Florida, things are limited, so sometimes things come along that may not be a role that you're really comfortable with, um, whether it be for something that it's a part of, something you got to say, something you got to do. It just may not be the role that you want or that you want to be tagged to and have that, you know, and be identified with. So how do you help them or help anybody? What advice would you give to somebody that is stuck in a situation like that where this is coming up, maybe the, maybe the producer, maybe the people that are a part of it are like saying, well, you really, you really need to do this and kind of putting a little pressure on you to do it. How do you, how do you keep your, your goals and say, look, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to stay to who I am and stay true to myself and, um, and not do these roles under pressure? That's really tough, and every mm-hmm. actor has to answer that question for themselves. Um, I know that Miguel Faza, well, he tells me he'll do any role as long as he's fit for it. He told you that himself. Um, he, he's, he's fine. Um, Taylor, um, I'm going to say her name, Taylor Castro, she, um, she's pretty grounded. If she doesn't want to do something, she won't do it. She, she wants a Disney image. Um, she just won't do it. And, well, Michelle hasn't broken into the acting yet. But I do have a, a movie in the pipeline that I have her in mind for. Um, I know she's a great actress. She just hasn't been in film yet. And myself, I won't, I won't do it either if I don't feel like it's right for me. And I'm in that situation right now because I'm casting a movie that has a little, a little bit of a wild side. And I know that some of the actors that I've given my script to are, you know, I've had two actors that have turned it down already. It's a little on the risque side. You know, we live in Miami. We have a lot of strip clubs around here. We have a lot of nightlife around here. So some, you know, my own script that I'm producing right now called Marriage Killer is, you know, is having a hard time with it. But I think um, I think we're good. I think we found our two main characters. Uh, I can't say their names yet because I don't have executed contracts yet. But I, it did take me a, a minute to cast the two lead roles for that movie because it is on the risque side, like I said. So there's a lot of actors out there that won't play a role unless they they feel that it's good for their image and their career, Mm. and it's okay. Absolutely, and that's one of the things I'd like to get over to people is it is okay to say no, Um, especially if you have something that you hold dear to yourself and you want to be involved in. That doesn't doesn't necessarily mean you got to take it personally, and they're going to take it personally. They shouldn't take it personally. You know, that's, right. that's something we got to learn as artists not to take things so personal because it's not necessarily an attack against you. It just could just mean it's not the right, right time, right person, or, or what have you. Yeah, and I just think that sometimes they just don't tell you why they're turning down a project. You mm-hmm. know, they could, and, it, and I don't know why they're so secretive, but, you know, so it's, it's, it's okay to say, hey, Barbie, I read your script and, and I think it's cool, but I don't want to play this particular role. You know, I don't want to be the marriage killer. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I hear that. I, I would prefer to hear that than, you know, than, oh, no, they're not interested. Because then you're like, well, what was it? Was it the script? Was it, you know, that they don't want to come to Florida for a month? Because that's also, that, that can also be a valid point. Or was it the money? Did I not offer them enough money? So right. it, sometimes you just don't know why they turn down a, a role. But, you know, they do. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Now, you just said your, your daughter is very much into, like, the Disney stuff. I love Disney, and I saw that she posts a lot of stuff about Disney, which is really cool. Um, with all the live-action movies that are coming out where they're taking these classic cartoons and turning them into live-action movies, has she been interested in maybe doing one of those and becoming one of these princesses or anything like that? Oh, my gosh. She's, she's heavily pursuing Kingdom Keepers. She is heavily pursuing Disney, whoever wrote Kingdom Keepers, whoever directs Disney movies um, to make Kingdom Keepers, and she wants to play Willa. She is all over that. <laughs> yeah. Love that. I, and as a mom, I'm like, I, I, I'm like I, I, I'm afraid to call them because I better put my money where my mouth is when I start calling these high, you know, these people 
up there, you know? Sure. You don't mess around calling these people until you're ready to play. And if you're not ready to play, it's kind of like, uh, you know? Absolutely. Meaning, like, to call these these people, it's very easy to make a phone call, but once they say, okay, you got my attention, let's talk, well, I better be willing to to play the game, you know? And it's not cheap, so... Well, I hopefully that when that day comes that she's going to be just all over it, and I know she'll just eat up the part. I could just tell just by from when I talk to her myself, and, and um, I, think, I think it might be good for her, and I think it might happen. Thank you. Thank you. So you have some cool things in the works. Uh, tell everybody what you have coming out, what's going on in your, in your uh, future projects here that you have coming out. Well, I currently have, well, this Saturday, um, Boyfriend Killer is playing on Lifetime at 8 o'clock, so that's exciting. Um, it's getting a lot of traction. It's been playing since January, so that uh, leads me to believe that it's, that it's being well-received, so I'm very grateful about that. Um, Girlfriend Killer also plays simultaneously, but in post-production, I have Killer Island, which I'm really excited about. We're almost done. Locking Edit. That film was shot in North Captiva Island, which is a place I've been vacationing to for 20 years now. And um, uh, that one's in post-production. We're getting close to locking the edit for that. And then it goes to music and sound. And simultaneously, I have Marriage Killer in pre-pre-production. I, I had to postpone the production for that one a couple of months. Um, and then I have another movie called Dream Killer that's in the works as well. That one is just in the writing stage right now. Mm. And that's the one that I said I wanted to kind of showcase the music more, you know, about basically rivalry within a high school when one girl gets a part and the other one doesn't, you know? Mm -hmm. And within that, they could pretty much sing their songs and, and whatever they need to do. So I'm excited about that script too. So uh, are these going to be like independent releases or are you going to try to have them put out on a network? All of my movies are targeted for Lifetime. I pretty much target that network. Okay. Well, that's really cool. Yep. So um, uh, outside, of, outside of these projects, do you have anything else that you're passionate about outside of uh, producing movies and writing movies and, and acting and anything else that, that you love to do that, that just keeps you uh, happy and healthy and, and uh, living life? Well, I've been married for 23 years to a fabulous man. His name is Eric Castro. And I have my two beautiful daughters. And I am currently building a spec home in Broward County, which is a speculative home, which, you know, you build it and hope that somebody buys it when you're done. And I also have a property, uh, basically real estate that, that we manage ourselves and we own and manage ourselves. So um, I love numbers and I love uh, working with people. And outside from the film production world, I'm a real estate broker. So interesting. I keep myself pretty busy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the only way to be in this world. You got to keep yourself busy because that's when it, that's when you uh, you make everything for yourself and you make a legacy for yourself and your kids and. Uh, it's just it's just a fun process to be a part of. It's exhausting, but eventually one day you'll look back and say, "Wow, I'm so glad I did all that stuff." Yeah, I don't think I know how to not work. <laughs> you know, if I'm not doing anything, I feel really guilty. Um, but we do take time out for the family as well. But even when I was out of the country a couple of weeks ago, I had my phone, my email. I tried not to work, but it's just, it's just I just you know I can't not work for two weeks. I just I enjoy it. If you don't like it, maybe you won't work. But if you like it, it doesn't feel like work. So, you know, yes, it's exhausting, like you said. But, um, you know, you just keep chipping at it every day. That's right. I'm the same way. I don't know what it would be like not to be able to work. I mean, I work sometimes 13 to 17 hours a day, uh, almost seven days a week. And I, I'm kind of like the Ryan Seacrest. I don't know how he sleeps and eats because he's <laughs> constantly on something. I mean, he's got like a six-hour radio show. And then he does like seven TV shows. It's like, how do you do it? But you know, I didn't know that about him. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you if you're uh, if you know the uh, Tampa Bay area, but Mix 100.7 from like one o'clock in the afternoon to almost five o'clock, he has the the Seacrest show, 
and he does that. He does a radio show on there, and then he's like on everything. I mean, and, you know, every special, everything that that's out there, he's on it. And it's like, wow, he's got to be. He he must have clones. I don't know how he does it. <laughs> I, I couldn't. Wow. I couldn't do it, but I would love to be able to do something like that and be that popular. Well, I'd love to interview you one day to see what you do for thirteen hours a day. Like <laughs> you work. That's I know right. you have a radio show and everything. That's great. Yeah, TV, radio, uh, my own photography, trying to write a script for a movie that I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> so, <laughs> I so I just got to sit there, you know, stare at, the, stare at the screen. Yep, yep, that's a white piece of paper right there. That looks good, you know. <laughs> just one one letter. Nope, no, I don't like it. You know, then you hit the next letter. Nope, 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 not, not going to work. So, yeah, that's, that's my life. It's so true, and scripts are so hard to do that you think they're easy until you start realizing, wait, I'm halfway through and I'm really confused right now. Mm -hmm. Like, how do I bring this home, you know? That's right. So, good for you that you throw yourself in like that and, and, and get things done. I love that. It's wonderful. It's the only way to do it. Yeah. Well, Barbie, we are just about out of time. I had a lot of fun talking to you. I love your family. You guys are you're just super talented, and I'm so glad that you've been able to do so much for them and yourself and for the world to see and, and entertaining the world. I mean, that's, that's something that will last forever, and making people smile is definitely one of the most important things that we can do in this world. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. You're welcome. All right, guys, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we got more, so don't go anywhere. Jason Dowd of Imagination Art Studios is proud to announce the release of his steampunk collection, which is currently on tour across the country. There you will see beautiful handmade masks from Venice, Italy that accentuate beautiful women to create amazing stories and feelings to those who visit the collection. Each photo series has a theme, mask, authentic props, and beautifully elaborate outfits, all collaborated in the mind of Jason Dowd to create the right emotion and feeling. The masks come from a shop at Epcot at the Italian Pavilion, where all these photos are on display for you to see. This is one of the biggest accomplishments of his career having his work at Disney. Come see the beautiful first release of the series, which includes Distressed Dancer, Spanish Serenade, The Pied Piper, and Reaching for the Czars. You can see them in person or online at www.imaginationartstudios.com. For more information, visit the website. Again, it's imaginationartstudios.com. Our Facebook is Imagination Art Studios. Twitter is at Dow Studios. And Instagram is at Jason Dow. Come and be mesmerized by the masks and the stories behind them. Hi everyone, my name is Darius Norman, the author of the new book entitled Rewriting Financial Rules. Have you wondered and needed advice in terms of repairing and building your credit? Do you need strategies to boost and to see quick results in building your credit? Do you need to learn how to protect yourself against financial predatory companies like debt collectors? Well, look no further. Rewriting Financial Rules is the perfect book to give you the step-by-step process to adjust and make those changes financially. Hi, this is Jennifer McGill from the New Mickey Mouse Club, also a new recording artist, and you're listening to AME Radio. back everybody we have on the line with us a very special guest her name is Lindsay Alley she is a former new Mickey Mouse Club member she's an actress a singer and a writer lots of stuff going on in her life and she's uh, we're really excited to be able to talk to her about what she's done and what she's got coming up so welcome Lindsay to the show how are you doing today I'm great I'm great thank you so much for having me you're welcome 
So I guess let's kind of start out with you. Uh, obviously, you know, to be on the Mickey Mouse Club, you, you were you had to be a, you had to be a kid, like young adult, sometimes even like the twelve, thirteen year old range. When did you start getting into acting and singing and all the stuff that you're doing cor- uh, currently right now? Gosh, um, <clears throat> I was I was a pretty precocious kid. Um, my parents made the mistake of of giving me movie musicals uh, for birthday and Christmas gifts, and then I would just you know, watch them until they fell apart. I think they had to replace my um, my tape of The Sound of Music like three times. I watched it so much. So, um, you know, my mom often says that I, I sang before I spoke. Uh, and I started doing local dinner theater in my hometown of Lakeland, Florida when I was six. And, um, and my first show was The Sound of Music. And it just kind of went from there. Um, I ended up doing several shows there. And then a production of Annie at the Burt Reynolds Dinner Theater, and then that sort of led to the Mickey Mouse Club, and then that was six years of my life there. And then um, I went on to college to get a degree in musical theater performance, and um, moved to New York, lived in New York for seven years, and now I've been here in Los Angeles for the past ten years, actually trying to do a little less musical theater and a little <laughs> a little less singing and a little more TV and film. But it seems that I just can't quit the show tunes. They they, they follow me everywhere. <laughs> Isn't that the thing? It's like once you find something that you've been, you know, experiencing all throughout your childhood, it's just it's just there, and you can't get rid of it. It's always going to be a part yeah. of you. Yeah, gosh, it's so true. It's so true. If only I would have wised up years ago and gotten a very practical office job, I'd probably have a much better 401k at this point. But... At least I'm, you know, at least I'm happy. At least I get to perform and, and do what I love most of the time. So I can't really, I can't really cry about my, my lack of, of retirement <laughs> because I've had a really varied, interesting life. And, and for that, I'm really grateful. Oh, I bet. So like I was telling you beforehand, um, one of the things I've always wanted to do when I grew up was be a part of the Mickey Mouse Club. And I've seen that it's done so many, it's, it's given so much to the to the entertainment community. I mean, it's brought us some amazing talents. Uh, it's brought us some you know some fun times as as you know growing up. And that's something I always wanted to do. When I realized it was right down the street from me, I was so upset. Um, but Aww. I don't know why. I don't know why I didn't say anything. I think that was my biggest problem when I was growing up is I never spoke up about any of that stuff. And Aww. you know, I think you got to. I think if you're a kid, you got to do that. If you, if that's something yeah. that you're interested in. Yeah, for sure. And if you're a, a real obnoxious kid like me, you just, you know, you will not be silent. <laughs> <laughs> you will you will sing on any street corner. You will make your parents drive you to those auditions. I was, you know, looking back, um, God, I was so much more relentless as a kid and so much more fearless. And then over the course of, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure when it happens, but you kind of, start getting beaten down a little bit as, as a young adult and then certainly in your 20s and 30s. And, um, and so I look back now and I think, God, I was so much cooler as a kid when I just wouldn't take no for an answer and I just went after things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find myself as an adult now, you know, sometimes being a little trepidatious. So, yeah, I agree with you. You have to, like, speak up. Speak up, kids. If you want to do something, you go get it. Go do it. But on the other side of the town, I wanted to get slimed. I don't know if you remember, you can't do that on television <laughs> oh growing up. Oh, my God, up. of course. Oh, yep, my yeah. God. I wanted to be slimed so bad. And I just wanted to get up there and said, I don't know, and get slimed. I know, exactly. That never exactly. happened either. <laughs> no, I'm so sorry. Well, I'm sure we could arrange it. I'm sure we could. Yeah. I'm sure for your birthday, you know, we could, you know, I'm sure there's a service that would come and find you if you really wanted it. <laughs> So, you oh, know, God. you got to be a part of one of the one of the shows that a lot of kids from the 80s and 90s grew up adoring and stuff like that and and you know, we have memories of that. What was it like being on the Mickey Mouse Club for you? Um, you know, it's gosh, my 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 broad sort of general answer was it was amazing. Um, strangely, there's a lot of it I, I don't remember. <laughs> Um, and that's not because I, you know, did a lot of drugs and, and drank a lot, but, you know, it was just a totally, it was a totally different time. And, um, it, you know, it was my normal, which 
which is a weird thing to say that, you know, hey, I had this full-time job as a kid, you know, getting this really nice paycheck to hang out with other kids doing stuff that we wanted to do. It, it just seemed like this normal thing that, oh, yeah, everybody gets to do this. But only now do I look back and go, oh, that was really special. That was really unique that we got to have those experiences and, and be on television. It was, it was remarkable. Um, and my dearest friends to this day uh, were people that I met on the Mickey Mouse Club. And it was life-changing in a, in a number of ways. Um, I don't know. I mean, like I said, just the, just the fact that as a kid I got to do what I love to do regularly was so exciting. Um, and I wish I, I wish I had more memories of it. I, I, I still have glimpses of things. Um, but I wish I could, like, tap into the day-to-day routine of what it was. Um, but generally speaking, it was it was just a wonderful, magical time in my life. Now, when you when you were working on a show like that, and you are young. Um, a lot of times, when you go to these studios, they have teachers and stuff there because it's pretty much an all day thing. Was that the same case for this particular show? Did you have to have tutoring on there? Were you able to go to school? Uh, I know it was taped and also in front of a live audience, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it was live. Um, what was it like for you, and how did you manage to do your schoolwork and everything else that you needed to do while you were doing this? Yeah, well, it was uh, it was definitely an on-set schooling situation. Um, they, you know, in the later seasons, they tried to work it so most of the taping was done in the summer, so we wouldn't have to deal with, um, you know, uh, so they wouldn't have to deal with the year-round schooling. So we usually started in uh, April and went to October. That was like our shooting season. So they really only had to take care of us schooling-wise from like the end of the school year to the start of the school year. Um, But yeah, when we were doing that, we would go to school on set three hours every day, 9 to 12. And um, we would all bring our work from our local schools, wherever that was happening, so we would all be on track with our local schools wherever our hometowns were. So when we did reassimilate back into our school in the off-season, it wouldn't be so jarring. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Um, but, yeah, we had great tutors on set. And I can't say that we, you know, I can't say that we were perfect. There were days that we snuck off and <laughs> would go into the park and ride the rides. And we were still kids. We were still naughty and, you know. <laughs> And it wasn't, it wasn't the structure that you would get in real school. We were just trying to, like, keep up with our work. But they did a really good job of, um, there was one teacher there named Chuck Yerger, and he was amazing. Like, he, he just was the coolest guy and, and would really make us stay on task. And, and, you know, he's the reason, like, I passed my SATs at all, because he really, you know, kind of forced us to <laughs> not be deadbeats and really, like, you know, stay on task with our work. And he was just a, a generally great guy who I'll never forget. Um, school on set, it was, um, you know, it was the real deal. It was the whole experience. See, that was kind of what what got me because I'm like, how do you do school? Especially, and that's got to be kind of hard because the kids there were so vast in ages. I mean, I saw like yeah. pretty much yeah. towards the end of Tiffany and Damon and Albert and Chase and everybody, they were they were almost into the point of uh, going to in a high school or past high school and then college. And then you had some kids up there that were you know still kind of graduate- young. Yeah, and graduating from high school. So it's like, kind of like the know, old remember- old schools. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then in the later seasons, when, like, Justin and Brittany and those guys came in, you know, they were 12. Mm-hmm. So, you know, having 12-year-olds in the same classroom as 16-year-olds, you know, Chuck really had his work cut out for him. <laughs> He's dealing with all different kinds of curriculums and all different kinds of subjects, but he was so great. I mean, the teachers that they had were, you know, amazing. Um, but they had, like, a language teacher and a math teacher, and Chuck was sort of like the catch-all. He's he sort of, he's one of those guys who knows everything about everything. He's like one of the smartest human beings on the planet. Um, and so he was really he was really the guy who, you know, kind of stepped in and taught everybody. But there were specialized teachers as well. So yeah, it was it was interesting. I mean we all had like a little cubby and 
like, if I think about it now, I'm like, my God, how do they do that? My next question is, and this is what kind of happened to me, is I've always wanted to work with Disney uh, some way, somehow, but I never really wanted to be a, a part of, like, the theme parks because I think that would ruin the magic for me if I knew how everything happened. Yeah. Was that the mm -hmm. same like that when working for the, the TV? Did it ruin the magic of the, of the parks at all for you, or is, is it kind of, like, separated because you don't get to see how all that stuff works? Well, I'm afraid that some things were ruined. <laughs> I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but there were a few moments when I was... There were a few moments when we did, you know, we would go into the parks to do some interview or some parade or something, and we would have to go through the underground portion of Disney, which is like a whole... It's a whole world unto itself, underground Disney. Um and I'm not going to lie, there were a couple moments when I saw Mickey with his head off. <laughs> and I think, I think this was before the day when it was, I, I don't know if this is real, but I think they actually, like, it's a Disney rule that they all have to, like, have their heads on in one room, like, and then they can't leave that room if they don't have their heads on. <laughs> but I remember one time, just like Mickey walked down a corridor, you know, going to a smoke break. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> <well>. <laughs> I thought, oh my God, I'm ruined. I'm officially ruined. The magic is gone. But you know what's funny? The magic comes back. It because does. years later, um, I took my English husband to Disney for the first time two years ago. And experiencing it with someone who hasn't ever been to Disney, the magic comes flooding back. Mm -hmm. And... It's so strange, isn't it? it How is. experiencing something like that through somebody else, it just it, it delights you to no end. And then all of those <laughs> all of those images and things that I know behind the scenes kind of just disappeared. So I can say it was temporarily quashed, but <laughs> now it's back. It's back. The magic's back. <laughs> well, see, every time I come back. To, to Disney, I'm like a big kid, and it doesn't matter if I've seen it 15 million times, because I go all the yeah. time, I, I have season passes, I'm there all the time, and um, it, it, it never lost its, its magic for me, and I, I, I'm, I love that, you know, because it, there's so, there are so few parks and so few places in the world that you can go do that, and it, it, yeah. it does get old fast, but this place never seems to, it's like every time I go there, I see something different, I experience it ride differently, um, and it's Yeah, funny. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. And because it's such a, you know, I think it's because it was such a huge part of people's childhood, it takes them back to this, you know, gentler time mm -hmm. as well. You know, a time when it wasn't all, you know, you know, guns and violence and politics. <laughs> and we can actually just go back to the magic. And it, it's, it's the ultimate escape. It really is. Yeah, that's my escape from the stuff because I can't stand it. <laughs> I know, I know. We don't have time for that today. We don't have time to go there. Let's keep this. Let's keep this a family show interview. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, I try to avoid. I try to avoid that like the plague because I can't stand it, and I just I, I enjoy watching kids having fun, and I enjoy watching adults having fun, and I like having fun. Yeah. And it, 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 I like to be able to to create stories and and tell people about things, and I think that's one of the places that you can do that. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I I couldn't I couldn't agree with you more. It's so important and it's so important especially now to create magic for ourselves and escape for ourselves in a in a time that feels really uncertain, um, and divided. Mm -hmm. And so divided. So, um, you know, Disney I think would be more popular than ever right now. Um, just for the sheer sake of, you know, needing to get away from it all that's true into a, a fantasy world so so what's really important so what's one of your favorite memories from the from the show um oh gosh I mean I have so many so many favorite memories but um I think I think one that really stands out in my mind and it was so well executed was and and I don't even remember which season it was I want to say it was like season two um and it was the wrap party. And, you know, everything's shutting down for the season, and they're putting up this huge spread of food and had all these gifts for us, and it was super nice. And then Fred, the, the host of the show, mm -hmm. stood up and said, I just, you know, I just want to say a few things. 
you know, and he, he started this whole very sentimental speech. And then he said, and if everybody will turn to their right, and we thought he was going to, like, present us with a director's chair or something really, you know, predictable, a duffel bag or a, a letterman jacket. <laughs> and there was this curtain that just fell, and there were all these tables with tons and tons of banana cream pies on them. And you just, like, look at 12 Mouseketeers, and you say, go for it. And the entire staff and all of the Mouseketeers, and it was like the season two wrap party, just made a beeline for these tables of banana cream pies, and we had the biggest pie fight in history <laughs> at the Disney MGM Studios. And, of course, Fred, like, got a massive bill for the cleanup the next day. I'm sure. Um but they got all this video of it. I mean, when I got home that night, I had banana cream pie in my ears, up my nose. Um, there, it was, it was like a kid's fantasy. It was absolutely wonderful. But that was like the that was a, a moment I go back to regularly, thinking, how cool was that of him, and who supplied all of his banana cream pies, and what would make Fred think that he could do that? But he pulled it off, and it's still, like, my, one of my favorite memories from the show is just having this huge pie fight with the entire staff. It was so fun. And it, was, it, it is good when you, at least if you get it in your mouth, it's going to taste good. It's not going to be like yeah, a tomato exactly, or something. Exactly, exactly. It took, oh, my God, I think my mother made us undress outside and <laughs> threw the clothes away because there was no way she was putting that in her washer. But, yeah, it was so fun. We had a great time. So there are lots of things like that. It was a really it was a really lovely time. I, I mean, I can't say, you know, if this is an interview where you want, like, real dirt, you're not going to get it because it was a really wonderful time. It was, you know, it was the experience of a lifetime. It really was. Oh, I'm never looking for dirt on stuff like that. I'd much rather keep that <laughs> under, under the carpet if it's there so it doesn't ruin yeah. stuff. But... <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But you've done some really cool things since this, and I've been listening to your music online. Um, I love the parody that you did where a Mouseketeer like me. I think that was that was great because that was off of uh, Aladdin, I believe. Where yeah, um, yeah, I'm a friend like me, yeah. I think it was right. Yep, yep, that's right. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing right now. Uh, what are the things that you're working? on? I know you want to try to get into more film. What types of things are you trying to trying to break into? Well, um, <clears throat> as you know. It's for the, for the kids listening, let your Aunt Lindsay tell you that a career in show business is a challenging one. And um, and I'm not saying that to discourage anybody, but I am saying it to people who are genuinely thinking about a career in the arts because it's, it's really, really a struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to want it more than anything else. You have to want to, um, you have to, want to be a storyteller like you don't want anything else. And unfortunately, I don't want anything else. <laughs> I want to, you know, I want to be a storyteller. And that's, that's who I am. That's who I've always been. Um, and I, I, I feel very fortunate that, that I can work across many platforms. And um, I'm, I'm not a dancer, but, but I am a singer and I am an actor. And I can translate that into theater, film, television, commercials, and I've sort of worked in in all of these mediums and I I really find that theater keeps bringing me back there's something about the spontaneity there's something about you know finding something new in a performance every night and also my um, my one person show which evolves all the time because my life is constantly changing so um, a few years back um, I was I was performing my club act on gay cruise ships and um, my friend and, and accompanist and musical director, Rick Leonard, um, introduced me to a friend of his, David Sexton, who said, we should take this club act that you're doing and turn it into more of a, um, into more of a show with an arc. And so that's how Blood, Sweat, and Mouseketeers was born. And so um, for the past few years, I've been doing this act around the country and, and it's so nice to be able to share some of the Disney stories in this show. But it's not just about Disney. It's about, you know, a whole life 
in show business, being mm-hmm. a kid actor and then having to find ways to reinvent yourself as an, as an adult actor, which is, you know, poses its own challenges. But, you know, to answer your question, and I think I'm all over the place right now, but <laughs> to answer your question, I just want to work. And it doesn't necessarily matter what the work is. I just want to be a working actor and do things that, that move me and that I feel inspired by. Um, and, you know, I'm certainly happy to take the, you know, the odd gigs here and there. I just did a co-star on Lethal Weapon. So that's, you know, I just shot that, and that's going to come out in October. Um, and then, like, you know, four days later, I did a reading of a new musical. So my life is so weird, but there, you know, there's all this stuff going on all the time, and it's all so unique and so different. Um, and like I said, I don't have a fantastic 401k, but how many people can say they got to go play pretend and be a park ranger today and then go play Mary Todd Lincoln the next day? That's so, right. it's, you know, it's a really cool life I have. And I feel really lucky, and I hope it keeps I hope I keep getting me So, yeah, I, I totally understand. And, and, you know, the cool thing about me is I don't have a 401k plan, <laughs> but I love doing <laughs> what I do, and it looks like I'm going to be doing it till I die. So yeah. <laughs> that's how yeah. artists are, though, aren't they? You, they just got to be they got to be spontaneous. they got to just get out there and, and do what they love. And, and I think yeah. if you do that, it will, will eventually pay off in the end. Yeah, I was just going to say I, I made the decision a few years back that uh, – I was just going to die trying because the alternative is not appealing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, tr- I've, I've really tried to have regular jobs and, and I know it really works for, for some people and I, I fully respect and, and get that and they have, <laughs> they know where their next paycheck's coming from and, and I can't say I do. Um, but they, you know, they, there's stability there, there's, and, and a lot of people find real joy in, in a routine like that. But I've tried it, and it doesn't speak to me. I need to constantly be working on something different and, and something creative. So I know that about myself, and I can, uh, you know, make peace with it and know that I might not ever get rich, but I will be really happy, and I will have a really creative, interesting life. And I'm, I'm super happy about that. Well, you got the heart and soul of an artist and an entertainer, and you can't ask for anything more than that because you make good stuff when you do do it. So that's what's uh, that's what's going to make the people happy, and and by making people happy, it makes a fulfilled life, and that's uh, yeah, that's that's the life of an artist. That's right. Well, here's hoping. Here's hoping I can tell the tell the stories and and entertain the troops. Mm-hmm. Well, we got about a minute left, so please tell everybody where they can find you, uh, where they can see uh, your act, and hopefully the, any, anything else that you have coming up that I'm sure people are going to want to see you in. Well, um, my next big act, um, I'm going to be a mom soon. Well, congratulations. <laughs> um, thank you so much. I'm, I'm making a person over here, and my husband and I are expecting our first baby uh, October 12th, and so that's... Honestly, what I'm focusing on at this very moment, and I've, I've been trying to squeeze in as much work as humanly possible before uh, this kid shows up and, and um, slows me down for a moment. <laughs> but, um, you know, who knows what will happen. I think, I think this is going to bring a world of material, and I will, I will have a whole new show to write based on, on this new experience as a mother. But um, I'm going to continue to do Blood, Sweat, and Mouth Tears. In fact, we're, we're going to do it as part of a... 30-year Mickey Mouse Club reunion um, in 2019, and then I'm sure after I have the baby, I'll have more dates on the books to tell you about, but I kind of wanted to give myself a little break for a minute to, you know, um, to do life, so uh, so that's my next thing, but I will certainly keep you posted, and you can certainly check in at lindsayalley.com and keep tabs on, on my movements. Well, Lindsay, I had a great time speaking with you. Uh, this has been a great trip down uh, memory lane for me, and I wish you all the best with that, everything you have coming up, and congratulations on being a new mother, and I wish you all the best. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you calling. Have a wonderful day. You too. All right, take care. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, guys, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we got so much more, so don't go anywhere. You won't regret it. 
All right, guys, we are back, and we are about ready to close out the show. we got about 30 seconds left, so please join us again next week on AMFM247 Broadcasting Network every Friday at 7 o'clock a.m. Eastern Standard Time for our first show and every Saturday at uh, 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time for our second show. You can find us on WKLAP.com every Friday at uh, 12 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time and Radio Love every Saturday at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're glad to be a part of all these outlets. We're also on iHeart On Demand and iTunes, so please check us out there and subscribe. You'll get it, the show before everybody else. All right, guys, that's, that's all we have for you. Stay safe, have fun, and re- remember to keep those creative juices flowing. We'll be back again next week. Good night, everybody. That's the end. We're done. Calm down, people. Calm down. Okay? That's it.